You're listening to Smart Businesses Do This with Adam Lyons of The Smart Blueprint. You can go and learn more about The Smart Blueprint at thesmartblueprint.com, which is literally a step-by-step process on how to build and grow your business, literally just broken down for you. It's the same method we use when we acquire a business to help it grow and make more profits, and it can help you too. But today, I am joined by Joey from Wealth Without Wall Street. Now, it's no good making lots of money if you have no idea what to do with the money when you actually have it. And I know for a fact that my listeners are always looking for what the wealthy, super wealthy elites are doing so that they can level up what it is they're doing. And this man has found something that I think is going to blow you away. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. Joey, how are you doing? Oh man, doing better than I deserve, as I like to say. So thank, thank you for having me today. No, dude, I'm super excited. So, so before we get into it, because I'm everyone here, you guys will be blown away. You're going to learn how to be your own banker. Bear with us; this is going to be well worth it. But what is wealth without Wall Street, John? Uh, so wealth without Wall Street exists to help people who want, and I'm emphasizing want, to be financially free without Wall Street, without having a 401k, without having to pay off your house. I mean, fill in the blank with whatever you thought that that was. We help you do it without those things. And we do it through three different ways. One, setting up your own personal monetary system. Secondly, building passive income. And thirdly, becoming the best investor that you can possibly be. That's why we exist. So I, I love that. And uh, you know, it's fascinating because I always tell people when it comes to businesses, there's no such thing as passive income. Now, of course, that's very different when it comes to investments. I'm well aware of that. Um, but you know, in the business world, everyone always like, I just want to set up my business, set it and forget it. I'm like, if you set it and forget it, it's going to decay. It's, it's going to collapse. There'll be right. a change, a rule, a staff member will get sick and, and, you, and it's, you're going to regret it. But I am aware that when it comes to building wealth and investments, and we're talking about building wealth, not getting rich. Um, and there is a big difference between these two things, which I've learned over time. Um, it's really about being smart with your money. And, uh, and what I love about what you guys have done is, is you've kind of come up with a system about to do that. So, um, you know, how did you um, discover this and what exactly is it? So I'll say this. I was in the mortgage business for 11 years and that was right out of college. That's all I knew. And I, I was doing what everybody else was doing. I was following what Wall Street, big banks, and everybody else told me was the way to financial success. I wouldn't say financial freedom because I didn't even understand what that was. I just knew, man, you need to to go to school, you need to get a great job, and you need to make a lot of money, and you need to start putting it away for retirement. Like That's just the default way we were told, right? And here I was, I was in my late 20s. And I was making over $300,000 in the mortgage business, like better than I anticipated ever I'd be making at that that time in my life. And I looked up at the end of each year and I was like, I just don't feel financially successful. Like we don't have any debt, which is great, but I don't have 
real wealth. Like, I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about, but it was just, it didn't seem like wealth. And right around that time, uh, my business partner now, but a friend at the time, Russ Morgan, he, he handed me this book and he said, hey, I'm going to start referring you clients and I want you to understand the basis of what I teach them. So here's, here's the book. Um, and by the way, that's $20. I don't know about you, Adam. I was like, really? Like, is this guy, is he making money? I mean, is he struggling? Like $20? Like, you couldn't cover the $20? You know, but I think he, he knew if I paid, I would pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I read that book and it was just like light bulbs going off. Like, wait a minute this is what I've been missing. Like this is, this is the, the, the missing component that I need to start implementing. And I started doing that over a four year period of time with him kind of coaching me on, on this whole process. And man, the difference it made for my family, for me personally, and like my future, I was like, I need to teach people this stuff. Like there's not near, there's not enough of us out there that are talking about it. And more people need to know this. I don't know about you, Adam, but like I get something that I really, I feel like is blowing my mind. I can't help but talk about it and help but get it out. And, and so I literally went to my wife who's pregnant with our fourth daughter. I have five, by the way, but she was pregnant at the time with my fourth. And I said, hey, uh, I feel like God's telling me I need to go and share this with the world. Like I need to be a part of something big. And she was like, you should absolutely do that. And I was like, what? That obviously means I need to be doing this. So anyway, that's that's in 2014 when that happened. So of course, everyone's going to be thinking, okay, what is this book? What should we be reading? <laughs> so the book was um, Become Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. And yeah, man, this it, it talked about this concept called infinite banking that we're we're going to get into. But the the whole idea of it was it, it's... It's he's an Austrian economist. He believed in sound money, not this inflated, you know, uh, fiat currency that we deal with today. He hated the banking world, and he wanted a way out of that system. In fact, he was like, "Man, we need ten percent of people to get out of the banking world, and we can start kind of like a change in the world." Uh, but infinite banking, the IBC system states that cash has a cost, right? It, it states that you finance everything that you buy, whether you pay cash and give up interest that you could have earned, or you borrow money from somebody else and you pay them, in, them interest. And it also uh, recognizes the opportunities are found or missed out on when we don't have access to cash. So we just need a new place for that cash to reside. And infinite banking takes note from the the most uh, prolific people in the world that understand money, and that's big banks, right? If you look at a big bank's balance sheet, they put billions of dollars. In fact, I worked at Wells Fargo at the time. They have $19 billion in cash value life insurance. And when Russ shared this with me, and I read this in this book, I literally was at Wells Fargo. And I went around to all the different advisors in the bank, the financial advisors, um, the business bankers, like all the people that I would have regarded as like, these people are wise with money. They get things at a high level. And they all looked at me and they said, that's dumb, Joey. Nobody puts money in cash value life insurance. Everybody knows that's a bad investment. And I said, 
literally simultaneously to you saying this, there are billions of dollars in this bank that you work for that they are buying cash value linkages. Like, how could there be any more irony to the situation? And I think it comes down to the fact that, uh, yeah, we're just not educated on this stuff and we don't understand how it can benefit us. I love that. So for those who are completely um, uninitiated, what is cash value life insurance and, and why should somebody be buying or investing into it? Well, so so the key word is um, saving, not investing. That's number one. I think the 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 funny thing about those bankers I was talking to is they were saying, you don't need to invest in it. Of course, you don't invest in it. You don't invest in a savings account, right? You park cash there for a period of time before you distribute it or deploy it to some other better use, right? That is what cash value life insurance can take the place of is a savings account. And the reason why, so, so first of all, the difference, most people know about term, term life insurance, right? I put in pennies to get dollars of death benefit with no, there's no other benefit outside of the death benefit. And it's within a term of period of time that if I die, then my beneficiaries receive it, right? Most people, before I understood this, I had $2 million of term life insurance to make sure my my daughters and my wife were taken care of in, in the event that I were to die within 30 years, right? Well, whole life insurance is just the, the cash value life insurance is whole life. It's across your entire life. It never, it never doesn't pay out, if you will. Whereas a term, if you die, you know, a year after that term is up, there's no payment. You've paid into it for nothing, basically. And the whole life, what it does is it's constantly putting money into a reserve that is growing as a contractual compounding interest on your benefit. And it also has a death benefit that's far and above what that cash value accumulation is. And the key to this is, is that I'm putting money in there. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm making sure my family's taken care of, number one, in terms of the death benefit as well. But I also have access to the capital within that contract, and I can borrow against it without interrupting the growth of the money. That was the game changer for me. When I understood that, I was like, wait a minute. If I take money out of a savings account, like right now, Adam, you, you may be looking to acquire a business, yep. and you have a million dollars in a bank account, mm-hmm. and you're like, I have to t- have 500000 on this on this, uh, this potential business. I take that $500,000 and I go and do that. I've done a good thing, right? I've, I've taken money that was doing nothing and I've now created an asset or bought an asset that's potentially creating cash flows coming back to me. This is a great idea. How to make it better is if that savings account was still earning on a million dollars instead of 500,000. And that's what the the internal use of a cash value life insurance policy will provide for you. That million dollars never stops growing. In fact, every year thereafter, it continues to compound, but I can leverage against it by using the insurance company's money to go and purchase that business. So I'm one of my superpowers. I'm very good at explaining um, very complicated things in a very simple way. So uh, for everyone listening here, uh, I'm going to attempt to use my superpower now to to really make this so that anybody can understand it in case um, in case this has lost you. And Joey, please tell me if I've got this wrong. And uh, and obviously, full disclaimer, 
I'm not an expert in this, and I've really only learned about this from Joey, which is why I'm, I'm here with you guys today. My understanding of this is that the cash value life insurance policy that I'm basically using like savings, instead of leaving a million dollars in the bank, where every year I'm only gonna be gaining interest against the million dollars. And then if I wanna use it, I have to take it out, which reduces how much I have. So if I take out 300,000 to buy a house, 400,000 to buy a business, I'm down and I've only got 300,000 left. Instead, because that um, insurance policy on my death will pay out much larger, if I borrow against it, the people I'm borrowing from feel comfortable because there's a, it's cash value. And more importantly, if I die, which you know would have them chasing a debt to a dead person, a larger amount would be paid up by the insurance company, which is more than enough to cover the debt, and then some. Is that a good perfect. layman's explanation? 100% perfect, uh, because the issue is, you know, if you think about it, they have your collateral. Their collateral is your life. And they, as you mentioned, their death benefit far exceeds the amount of the cash value that you've borrowed. So all that would happen, let's just say, I'm going to just make arbitrary numbers up. Let's say your death benefit on that million dollars was 5 million, just, just arbitrary numbers. And you borrowed out all million dollars. They would pay to your beneficiaries 4 million because their true liability to your family and your, your legacy is, is five. And they, you've just reduced it by a million by borrowing against it. Right. So that's, that's how they're, they feel really confident in getting you a loan for a million dollars against that, those dollars. So, I mean, this sounds almost too good to be true for the average person. Where's the, where's the potential risk? So the risks associated with this is one, not getting over your skis. You know, that's what my, my buddy Russ always says. It's kind of like a country uh, Alabama term, you know? And so he's like, if you, if you're building a policy like this or a system of policies, like we each have over 20 policies a piece because of as each one is built, you can't put more than what you ever designed it for. So as your cash flows increase, you have to have multiple places to put it and it starts becoming, you know, multiple policies. But in his case, he would say, you don't put more money in this than your budget will allow, right? It, even though it's a great thing, you, you want to start and you want to kind of build on it over time, not just like obligate yourself in premium dollars. Because when, when you say, hey, I'm going to put in $50,000 a year into this premium, a portion of that 50,000 is required. Let's say it's 20,000 or so of that 50,000 is a required premium each and every year which obligates them to provide the death benefit. If you don't pay that, they don't provide the death claim, the whole thing you know goes away. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's a, a risk. If somebody gets way too, you know, overzealous about it. The second thing yeah, I would say potentially, right? They're, they're yeah, basically. yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing that I would say is that people, um, it's not really a risk, especially for people that are listening to your show in the sense, but if you're afraid to go swimming up river, don't do this. Because the minute that you get this going and you're so excited and you go talk to 10 people about it, nine of the 10 people will say you're crazy and you've been scammed. Like life insurance is the worst place to put cash. And it's because they've been they've been taught this. Like, I mean, it's kind of the default in the in the world. 
But the reality is, uh, when you look at the wealthy, you look at the banks, I, I just keep looking at that and saying, if it was such a bad idea and banks were so good at making money, why would they ever do such a stupid thing? And so anyway, don't if you're afraid to do that, I would never embark on this. This is like, yeah, this is absolutely incredible. And I know a lot about uh, a lot about this, not this particular model, but we do a similar thing with real estate where we'll borrow against the equity of a property um, rather than just sitting on the equity. There's no point. And then we'll use the equity to buy more properties so it compounds and we buy more and more and more as time goes on. Um, but the repayments are about the same. Well, and real estate investors get this so much faster because of what you just said. Leverage is the key to profitability. Um, I was just explaining to one of our, our clients this morning, I was talking to him just off, you know, he's actually a friend of mine and we were just talking offline. And I just told him, I said, I just took over $100,000 equity out of my house uh, that I bought two years ago. And I put virtually no money into the deal to begin with. I, it just has grown. And I'm like, as fast as I can get equity out of my house, I want it because I can take that, you know, two or $300 a month payment on that equity line and create 40,000 a year in passive income through some of the different various, uh, you know, places that we know how to, to leverage and deploy that capital. Why, why would I ever leave equity in my house? It would be a tear. I'd be losing money if I, if I did that. Right. So anyway, this is magical, but for everyone listening to this, what I like about it is um, it doesn't require anywhere near as much capital, at least my understanding, as it would with equity for a, for a property, correct? Right. So each so so there's there's more details behind the scenes on how the policy grows and capitalizes over time. The very so this would be one thing that you have to consider in the plan. It's not necessarily what I would say, you know, um, a negative, but you're capitalizing over time. For the first year, if I put in a dollar, I have access to probably around. 70% of it. Okay. So if I need every dollar, I, this is not something that you want to do, right? You have to have some level of a, you know, liquidity before you could in, embark on this. And so that, that would be a negative. If somebody's like, Hey, I got to have every dollar. No, don't do this. So over those first seven years, roughly you need to have, you need to be growing. It's growing over time. That's where it breaks even. And then it just takes off. Okay. So, um, but yeah, if from the standpoint of, um, you know, when I go to borrow, I can borrow up to 100% of the cash that has accumulated in that policy. And the reason why is because, again, there's no risk, right? If I, and here's the other thing, you can take this and take it to a bank and they will lend you 100% of the cash value or 95 roughly of the cash value in your policy. Again, because they get the fact that this is just like dollars. There's no, there's no need, there's no necessary risk that they have to be concerned about. That's amazing. So just to, to understand, you can only borrow against what you put in, or can you borrow against what the cash payout is going to be? So say, for example, we did put a million in the cash payouts, 5 million. Can you borrow against the 5 million or would that be the over the top risk? Right. You, you only can access. So when you look at a policy um, and you, you pull up a statement of sorts, It'll tell you the death benefit. It'll tell you the cash value and the amount available for loan is always going to be up uh, like right up to that 95, 97% of the cash value that's accumulated. Now, in the early years, it doesn't equal all of the premiums that you put in. 
in the later years, it would far exceed the premiums that you've put in. Like as a, as an example, uh, Russ in our office, he's he's got the oldest policy of the people around us. His is like 13 or 14 years old. When he puts in a dollar this year, it kicks off a dollar fifty in cash value. Well, the first year, as I mentioned, he only got seventy percent of it. But now he's at a dollar fifty, a hundred fifty percent, right? And so then it just continues to grow um, beyond that. And so the amount of cash he has available now is far more than what he's ever put into the premiums. Does that make sense? It totally does, and that's just phenomenal. All right, so um, let's move on to the, the second part of this, um, which is the passive passive income. Well, how do people learn about that? What what kind of things should they be investing? In? Well, okay, so if it's okay, I want to kind of tie these two things together, please. Especially for entrepreneurs, people who have active businesses that are killing it. Okay, this is my this is kind of my call to you. Don't take like if you're not actively taking active income, putting it in a place that you can then own and control and then deploy into passive income assets, you're like on the Titanic with no with no boats to jump off of, no lifeboats. Yeah. Although you're killing it, that's fantastic. I hope you continue to kill it. But you should always be building passive income streams in things that you know and understand as your active business is killing it. Adam, I know you know this. How many people do you know who have bet on 100% their business and something completely out of their control takes oh, it away? Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, I, I know a situation, I mean, obviously with uh, all the, um, uh, the shipping issues from China, I know a lot of companies that went under, they had sales, they couldn't provide the product, and that was it. They were done. I mean, again, who, who anticipates something like that? Nothing, nobody. So, so the, where infinite banking falls in is it's that place, it's the location to where you're, you're storing capital from an active business and then turn around and deploying that into passive income businesses. And you asked a great question. You said, what should people be investing in? And, and rather than just like rattle off the, 10 different businesses and ideas that we we report on on our podcast every single month our personal passive income report because we want to lead by example we want to like like try out these ideas so that we can tell you hey this really sucked or this was really amazing and this is why um so i'm i can get into those but before i do the key is this what sort of investor are you i don't it doesn't matter what i invest in it doesn't matter what other people are having success in, and it doesn't matter what the ROI is, because that's what the world tells you is what you should look for. But I can tell you, if it, the end investment doesn't line up with who you are as an investor and the resources that you have available to take full advantage of that, it doesn't matter. You're not going to have success. And we, we created a, a profile called the Investor DNA Profile. It's, it's largely based off of the DISC you know, assessment, if you've ever taken that. And it helps you to line up like, man, I'm really good at, you know, analyzing numbers and I'm really good at the details. And, I, you know, this, this would line up really well, this sort of passive income 
strategy, we have a, a, a matrix of like six that they can say, oh, okay, I see the pros, the cons, and the resources needed to be successful in it. So anyways, I, I'm not trying to shirk the question, but I am no, trying to say right. like that to me is like critical for anybody looking to get into passive income. I, I love this. Absolutely great. So so they so they're gonna identify their profile to find out what kind of investor they are to then find the passive income that works for them. And exactly. then there was a, a third step to this as well. Yeah. So once once you kind of built that system, you've got your investor profile, you start building that passive income, then it's really about support, right? It's about becoming the best investor that you can be. And we do that through different masterminds, right? And you you know the power of masterminds. You're part of them yourself. You you get this at a high level. But if the people around, just think for a second, the people around you, are they really ever talking about the things that we're talking about right now? No. If they're no. not, then you're the wrong people. Yeah, you're 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 surrounding yourself with people that are probably at best keeping things the same, but it, more times than not, they're pulling you down. And so being surrounded with other people that are like-minded, that have the same ambitions, the same goals, it's a powerful thing because it's not, it's not just you, it's one plus one equals three in those sort of environments, right? And so we, we built two masterminds. One is for people that are not accredited investors yet, right? They're building towards that. And they're just trying to get their feet wet with passive income but they're surrounded by other people that are sharing those ideas. And then the next level is those that are accredited. They've got very successful businesses. Um, these are seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs who are sharing ridiculously high level ideas and strategies. And you're, you're, this is where we say you're borrowing OPM, right? You've heard that said other people's money. Mm -hmm. you're, you're borrowing the knowledge and the collective genius of those people and what they've done well and what they've done terribly. Yeah, it's like money they've lost that you don't have. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I can save a ton by being in that room. And so there's there's virtual and live events and things like that. But but that's the support piece that I feel like is is super critical to to getting to success. Dude, I, I love this. If anyone's listening to this um, and you haven't explored this concept of infinite banking, I I, I went down a rabbit hole with it and I was like, I got to share this with people. Um, you know, this is incredible, Joey. Um, in a moment, we're going to, you know, we're moving towards the end, but um, just before we get to that, uh, one question for you. In your mind, what do smart businesses do? Smart businesses actively pursue passive income from their active businesses. Again, I, I'm just repeating myself, but if they don't, they are literally completely betting on red and it is. It's not that kind of world, man. We there's things are changing so fast. I just don't think that you can take that risk. Uh, as as risky as it may sound to invest in something new or to to go down this path of like educating yourself on all these other passive income streams and putting yourself in a mastermind that may be a little uncomfortable at first. The risk of not doing it is far greater. I think it was uh, Einstein himself, right, that said that compounding interest is the most powerful force in the universe. Um, and this is one very simple method to start uh, applying that compounding interest. Joe, if, if people want to learn more about, you know, what it is that you do and, and learn more about the masterminds and stuff, where should they go? What, what's the next steps for them? 
Yeah. So if, if folks want to check out one of the masterminds, uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the passive income mastermind is our top level. It's um, wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash club 200. And we call it that because the folks in that are seeking 200% of their passive income to be greater than their monthly expenses. And all that does is allow for generosity and, um, you know, just personal growth that's well beyond themselves. It goes to the next generation, so on and so forth. Uh, so that that's one. If you just want to talk to someone about infinite banking, we have coaches who are highly trained. They're, they're best in the business, in my opinion. And um, you can you can set up a free call. That's cool. It's 15 minutes. Uh, wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call. And um, yeah, they'll they'll determine with you what your next right step would be. That's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today. And uh, just so you guys know, there is a podcast, Wealth Without Wall Street, highly worth checking out. These guys know their stuff. Thanks so much for joining us here on Smart Businesses Do This. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.